please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio, and I'm your host, Doug King. And this week, uh, I've got a couple of different things that I'm going to talk with you guys about. It's been an interesting week in national politics, um, a sort of interesting week in Georgia politics. But one of the things that I'm hoping to focus on this week, and, and something that's really kind of near and dear to my heart, is gun shows. And I know that the president has, has taken aim at gun shows, and now we hear rumblings that Michael Bloomberg is going to be uh, entering himself into the race looking for um, a, a chance to de- dethrone Hillary Clinton and, and take on Bernie Sanders. And if Mayor Bloomberg and, and his, his um, largesse decides to go forward with his run for the presidency, it'll be a dark day for gun owners everywhere, and it'll be really a rallying cry for us to... Um, band together with the Republican candidate to ensure that Mayor Bloomberg doesn't get a foothold in, in the White House any more than he has over the last eight years with the Obama presidency that would be detrimental to the rights of free citizens everywhere. So, I mean, that's an interesting angle that's going on and that we hear rumblings of because Hillary Clinton is really self-destructing. We, we've heard just as last week that one of the Obama advisors on national security said that the documents that she had on her personal server could not have mistakenly or accidentally gotten there they must have gone through hands that were not um classified to see them they they had to be done purposefully and so this is leading up to what is going to end up being an indictment in my opinion i I don't really think that the administration has any way out of indicting hillary clinton at this point and that the fbi has what i i heard was 1500 agents working on the case that there are you know what 16,000 emails now that are have been found on her personal server that were classified in some method or, or manner including uh the highest classification special special purpose access or or sac sap uh program documents this is a huge problem and in in a larger sense it, it really does echo what happened to her husband because while it is true that what Bill Clinton did with with his intern is is not in in any way a criteria for being president, it was symptomatic of a larger problem with the man, and it was simple. It was the 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 straw that finally led to him doing something that was tangibly illegal, and I think that we're seeing that now play out with Hillary. That 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 apple has not fallen far from the tree because Hillary has done so many things that were wrong through the course of her campaign, through the course of her time in secretary, as Secretary of State, through the course of her senatorial um, bid. But nothing was exactly illegal. It was just wrong. And taking money from foreign interests when you're going to be influencing policy is wrong, but she knew how to do it so that it wasn't illegal. And she knew how to do everything so that it wasn't illegal, no matter how wrong it was. And now we see, finally, those chickens coming home to roost. And that that is an important thing to remember, folks, because 
if you do wrong, eventually it will catch up with you. I, I believe in justice. I believe in fairness. I believe it doesn't happen instantly. And I think that there's a lot of people who looked at what was going on in the White House in, in 2000, or excuse me, in, in 1996 and 1998, and said, why isn't there any justice? Why isn't anything happening? And then they, they prosecuted Bill and got his bar license taken away, and that was their comeuppance, that there was some, some justice that was being done. Well, the justice wasn't then. The justice is coming in now. And yes, it took 20 years for it to catch up with her. But in 20 years, it has finally come home to roost uh, of her uh, meddling, of her um, manipulating the situation, and basically of her conniving. And those character traits of hers never went away, never changed. She was never held accountable for them throughout all this time, throughout all the different jobs she's held. But now it's starting to finally happen. And the these email servers, I know Bernie Sanders says, you know, America's tired of hearing the email servers. Yes, America's tired of hearing the email servers, but America's also tired of hearing of Benghazi and other things that will happen if Hillary Clinton is president. And that is why Mr. Sanders has got so much support right now. Uh, there, there's this undertone of people trying to undercut Bernie Sanders and say, oh, well, it's just people who want something for nothing that are voting for Bernie Sanders. There are a lot of people who don't trust the Republican Party, who are liberal in their leanings, liberal in their thinking, and know better than Hillary Clinton. And they, when, when Hillary had this thing wrapped up in a bag, she already had 350 delegates before a single vote was cast. With that in place, people said, well, who will run against her? And only one who was willing to throw his hat in the ring and lose to Hillary was Bernie Sanders. And by his being willing to lose and not caring if he wins, he's captured half of the Democratic Party just by default. And people are scrambling. They now realize that Hillary is weak, and they realize that this is going to be a bigger deal than it was. And people are looking to throw their hats in the ring at this late date. And is that a possibility? Could, could uh, Bloomberg come through? I, I really don't know. But Bloomberg's announcement that he is eyeing the, the presidency really brings a whole bunch of, of his policies and his attitude towards firearms and freedom into question. And, and as we look at this, folks, I went to the gun show this weekend. That's what I spent last Saturday doing was the gun show. I went to the one in Cartersville, and it was a good show. Their turnout on Saturday was phenomenal. There were hundreds and hundreds of people moving through that that small area on saturday sunday it was kind of sparse i'll be honest sunday was was kind of a dead day especially when i got there but saturday it was a busy busy show and people are using gun shows as a way to coalesce it, it is not simply i'm going to go buy a gun oh there happens to be a gun show where i can see a couple of different dealers without having to drive let's go do that the gun show is something so much more, and the anti-gunners don't understand it. They don't understand gun culture. And there is a gun owner culture in America, and there always has been. America was founded by people who were searching for freedom and who were independent. And independence requires the ability to procure your own food and to be also defend yourself from attack. And when you're living on the frontier, attack comes from all sides. It came not only from indigenous peoples, but it also came from the, the lawless and even from your own neighbors. There was, there was a, an 
an aspect of living like that that required self-defense and self-preservation. And the firearm was was the the central piece of the home there. That that when you came in from out, you put the gun over the door so that it would be ready for you when you went out again. Home was safe, but home was always secured by the firearm. And not only threats from other people who had malicious intent, but also threats from animals and, and other natural creatures that were trying to hurt people. So, I mean, the firearm was an essential part of American life. As we move from the wilderness into a, a more civilized age, perhaps, we see the firearm taking on a different role. But when we abdicated our place as in self-defense and, and self-accountability for our own self-defense and our own protection, and we gave that authority over to government, then we start to see firearms being vilified. And why? And it's because government is afraid of a populace who's willing to stand up for themselves. Government is always afraid of this people if the people are truly free and if the people are independent. Government needs people that are willing to not do anything. Government needs people who are willing to stand back and just accept the way the whole society is moving and to do what they're told. And free, independent thinkers, people who are not going to toe that line, are always dangerous to a government. When they decide that they've had enough and are willing to, to stand up and take back their rights and liberties, the government is going to be put into an odd position and it has two choices one is to give up power which no power ever wants to give be given up or two it has to fight them and what better way what better position to be in than to not only have all the power but have all the means for keeping that power so it, it's a dangerous road to travel down when when gu- when guns become villainized i support gun owners i think gun owners are the safest most intelligent, most hardworking people in this country. Gun owners are people who believe in individual accountability, individual freedom. And, and the scary thing and something that's always bothered me is the way gun owners are willing to turn on a gun owner who does wrong. If you have a gun owner who commits a crime or a gun owner who has a accidental discharge, then they're willing to just tear into them that, oh, man, you did wrong. You, you should have known better. You should have been following the rules. You weren't doing right. That's terrible. Whereas the, the people who don't believe in individual accountability won't do that. They're, they always make excuses. They always say it's someone else's fault. It's someone else. They, they, you know, I was provoked or, or someone else has turned and, and made me do this or, or it's the gun's fault and it was, it was, I, I didn't know it was loaded. Or, there's always some excuse that is proffered by people who aren't willing to accept their individual responsibility for their own actions. But, Gun owners aren't like that. Gun owners understand that individual responsibility is the cornerstone of what makes a great society. Folks, we are coming up on a commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the gun show this last weekend and why gun shows are unique in American culture. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. I'm your host, Doug King. And this week, we're talking a little bit about gun shows and, and the, the politics. You know, we, we're looking at presidential candidates that believe gun shows are the epitome of evil. 
that this is where people are able to not have to go through background checks or where people are are thwarting the will of the government and and that it is a dangerous place and part of the reason why that the gun shows have this aura about them particularly with government officials is because gun shows are the nexus of gun culture now if you're listening to this and you have never been to a gun show, it is a unique experience. For one, most of the booths at the gun show are not necessarily federal firearms licensees selling guns. You'll see just as much beef jerky, just as much beanie babies, and just as many uh, handbag and jewelry salesmen as you do gun sales, sellers. And the reason is because it is more than just about buying a gun. If you want to buy a gun and you want to buy a gun cheaply, the the very best way to do that is not to go to the gun show. The truth is is that you're going to pay probably a $10 per person entry fee, which which just adds to the price of the gun. Uh, if you wanted the same gun that you're going to find at the gun show, you could go to, to Bud's Guns Online, pick it out brand new, have it shipped to your FFL for free, pay your FFLs probably between $10 and $20, and get the gun... <coughs> brand new without having any hassle now are you going to go through a background check for a new gun at a gun show yes are you going to go through a background check for a new gun off buds guns yes are you going to have to pay uh 10 bucks to get it out and get into the show yes are you going to pay 10 bucks to pay for having the transfer sure so what's the difference well the dealers at the gun show are holding inventory so they have to have a markup on that gun from what they paid for it in order to make money on you whereas bud's guns doesn't hold the inventory in the same way they don't have the overhead costs that an individual seller does so their costs are generally cheaper now if you want it absolutely today then you're going to pay a little bit of a premium, and you're probably going to pay about 10% more than what you'd be able to get it for from Buds. But it's not about getting a cheaper gun. It's about community. Going to a gun show is about meeting people and being a part of a community of people who are like-minded, people who enjoy firearms, and people who believe in certain key fundamental things. And this is the odd thing about the gun show. It's not a Republican-centric meeting. Okay, Gun owners come from all walks of life. And you're going to find gun owners who are brand new at it and who are just getting into it and own a small revolver or own a Ruger LCP and are just interested in seeing if they can find a magazine or talk to some people about it or who haven't even bought a gun yet and want to get a, a, a smattering of holding different things and being able to talk to people about it. Then you've got the people who have extensive collections and then you also get the people uh, I don't know if, if, if you've ever been to a gun show, you can find about 500 ex-Navy SEALs there. More than ever have been Navy SEALs in the entire country, but they're all gathered at that one gun show. And it's just kind of part of the, the spectacle that goes into this, and it's part of the culture. So we go to the gun show, we go to meet people who are like us, and that is a georgiacarry.org thing, too, right? georgiacarry.org draws people from all walks of life. It draws people from all different... Uh, social venues it draws people from all different political venues and it puts them together because we have one common goal which is more freedom now walking around that gun show i was really impressed because this was a time that i was you know on a personal mission i i'm running for bartow county commissioner this year and so i was trying to get some signatures and as i'm walking around i'm asking people 
what you know are you a bartow county resident and so this is the big gun show in cartersville it's right in the smack dab middle of bartow county and i thought going into there that you know i'd be running about 80 90 percent bartow county residents truth was it was less than 50 percent most of the people had come from cherokee cobb or floyd counties and they had come they had driven to come to this gun show now is it the greatest gun show on earth was this like you know shot show of the south no it was just an average gun show. So why were people spending not only 10 bucks a head to get in, but a half hour to an hour drive plus the gas to go to this gun show? And I'll tell you, it's community. It's that people want to be a part of something larger than themselves. They want to experience. They want to show their kids. I can't tell you how many kids I saw at the gun show. And I'm sure that that would give Michael Bloomberg an epileptic fit to know that this place is full of kids. But the reason is, is because we are bringing our children up in a culture where firearms are not some strange, horrible thing that bad guys and cops have, but they're a part of our daily lives that we carry, that we protect. And I had a discussion with my seven-year-old son about this, and I was like, you know, Dad carries a gun. He says, absolutely, because we want to be protected. Yeah, we want to be protected. We're not relying on the sheriff's department to protect us. We're not relying on the police department to protect us. We're not relying on the government to protect us. We protect ourselves. We're not relying on the government to give us handouts, Bernie. We're not relying on the government, Hillary, to, to meet our every need. We take care of ourselves. And when we become afraid of the government, Mr. Trump, is when it starts to exercise that eminent domain. When the, the, the government sees itself as utilitarian rather than having a moral code, we become concerned. And we want to make sure that that moral code encompasses all religions, encompasses all faiths, encompasses all walks of life, Mr. Cruz. We want a government that's responsive to us and who that understands that we will be free and we will be who we are. And those are the values that come together at the gun show. And you see this. You see people from every race, every religion, every creed coming together, and it cannot be explained as just coming together to find a deal because there are better deals that you can get sitting at home than you could ever get at the gun show. So we come together for and a chance and and there is some tire kicking to it i'll grant you that you know you can go and get your gun on buds but you can't pick it up and hold it and see how it feels and see the weight and see the length of pole so yeah there is an aspect of that but if that was it if that was the only thing that mattered you wouldn't see so many people driving so far passing other gun stores I can't, I, I'm just thinking, if you came from center of Cobb up to Cherokee, or up to um, Cartersville, in order to go to this gun show, you probably passed a dozen good gun stores on the way. I mean, you passed, at, at a minimum, Adventure Outdoors and Cabela's, and you think about all of the decent gun stores that you could have picked up and handled just about any handgun or, or rifle or shotgun in existence. But you passed all them by to come to Cartersville, and the reason is, is community. And your first thought would be, oh, well, it's the Bartow community, the Cartersville community. But it's not. It's the gun community. 
And then I started thinking about all the times I've driven a ways to go to a gun show. I've driven to Gwinnett County for gun shows. I've driven to the farmer's market on the south side of Atlanta for a gun show. Shoot, I've driven to Athens for a gun show. Way outside of my local community, but all inside of the gun community. When I go on to georgiapacking.org and make a post and I get support from people in South Georgia, they're in my community. When I go on to the outdoor trader and, and post something and see people from, from Augusta respond, they're part of my community. If I'm on the Facebook page for AR-15s and I make a comment and I hear people from Macon talking to me about it and people from any other, you know, far flung place, Brunswick and, and all of these cities that, that are way outside places I've never even been. Places down in, in uh, southwest Georgia I've never even heard of, but they're part of my community. And that's something that the, the, the anti-gunners will never understand, that we are held together. And it's not, we're not held together by hate. We're not held together by a wish to do violence on any person. But we are held together by four core fundamental beliefs about liberty and freedom and that we manifest these these fundamental beliefs through a passion in a sport being proficient with firearms takes skill and talent and time and energy and practice and we excel at that we enjoy the game i love cowboy action shooting I am not a great shot, okay? You know, I'm not going to be the one out there doing thousand-yard bench rest, and I'm not terribly fast. I'm not the one who's going to be able to get up there and go tink, 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 in Ipsic shooting and and be able to clear a stage in, in four seconds flat. But what I can do is I can work that lever gun, and I can wear my cowboy hat, and I can feel a part of something that's older than myself and bigger than myself a reach back to an age when when freedom and liberty were important to a person and where your word was your bond and where things mattered and that connection that touchstone of reaching back to that time matters to me it's something i want to pass on to my kids my kids are going to be involved in cowboy action shooting so that they can have that touchstone now i am absolutely certain absolutely certain that when my son and daughter get old enough so that they're able to handle a full-size rifle where they're they're not there yet but when they are they're going to want to get themselves an ar-15 i can just guarantee it and they're going to want to shoot three gun matches with with uh, high capacity guns or maybe a nice 1911 something that's a little bit fancier than the old black powder conversion that we're using in cowboy action shooting but when that day comes i'll support their decisions to move on to the other sports that are more exciting for them folks we're at a commercial break we'll be right back and now back to georgiacarry.org radio with doug and jesse king Welcome back, folks. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. I'm your host, Doug King, and, and this week we are talking about gun shows. Now, when I left off, I was t- telling you about how gun shows are a part of a community. And as a community, that we, it's something that spans geographic regions. It's, it's an ideological community, a more pure ideological community than I would say any 
political party could ever be. It is a group of people who have certain core fundamental beliefs about freedom and liberty that bring them together despite their divergent backgrounds. But there's there's a, a lot more to gun shows than just the community. And that's something else that I really wanted to talk about looking at some of the news this last week. You know, we, we had SHOT Show a few weeks ago, and SHOT Show is an interesting creature, okay? SHOT Show, you have to be somebody to get into. You've got to be a, a um, FFL, where you're going to be purchasing new items. You have to be media, or you have to be a distributor or manufacturer who's showing off things. So this is the big trade industry trade show. This is where all the who's who goes, and they uh, announce their new products and their new toys, and then there's a whole bunch of media outpouring afterwards of testing the new guns and talking about the new guns and where is the industry going and the analysis of it. So that that is, it's, it's its own kind of peculiar creature, right? But there are other big shows that go on where you don't have to be media or a, an FFL or a distributor manufacturer to get into. And one of the biggest, one of the, the absolute largest of these shows is the Great American Outdoor Show. And this year it was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And the Great American Outdoor Show is like SHOT Show, only it allows people, your average Joe, to come in and walk through the, the aisles and to see everything that only the elite get to see at SHOT. And this is an amazing thing. I think this is an, another example of how great our country is, is that even though there are venues that are, are kind of set aside, the manufacturers and the, the retailers realize that getting out into the community and in with the people is important. The Harrisburg show, though, highlighted something else that, that really bothers me, okay? Gun owners, we are too trusting. We believe that people, although that they may, there may be bad intent in people out there and that there are people who might do us harm and we don't trust our government we tend to trust other gun owners especially and we think that they will will anyone who comes is going to have the same sort of attitude that we do because of the sense of community and the community that i've been talking about this whole show leads us into this sense of security now what happened at the at at the Great American Outdoor Show? Well, Precision Firearms, uh, which is a company that's making some unique AR-15s, put out a prototype. And they have a 9mm short barrel rifle prototype that they had out on the table. Now, because they want people to be able to pick it up, hold it, feel how incredibly light it is, feel how incredibly short it is, and, and get a, a sense of the firearm, they decided not to have it tethered down and they were the victim of theft there are three alleged individuals that you can go to the precision firearms facebook page and view the video but there are three alleged individuals who uh reportedly used a distraction tactic to be able to sweep the short barrel rifle into a large bag and make off with it and now this prototype is floating around out there they're probably going to try to hawk it at a pawn shop or something but it's very sad. Uh, on February 6th, they, they lost their firearm. They're offering a $3,000 reward for information leading to the conviction of the thieves. And this is something that, again, highlights how trusting gun owners tend to be. Uh, 
when we were at a show like that, especially you know shot show, then you move into the general public, you think that there are there's a certain type of person that comes to a gun show. And we don't think of thieves as being the kind of people who go there because they're not part of our community of individual responsibility and accountability. Now, this this owner the, of the Precision Firearms who, who gave a, an interview to Guns.com, he fully took responsibility that they should have had it tied down. It was his fault that he did not have it tied down. And he's looking for help to recover it. And I think that that's about the best thing that can be done at this point is to, to honestly you know do a little soul searching about your procedures going into an open show like that. And then to make make amends, he's offering a handsome reward for the the capture and and conviction of the perpetrators in order to make sure that they aren't doing this again. And police up there in Harrisburg said that they they weren't the only booth that was hit, but they were the only booth that lost a firearm. Everyone else was losing accessories or um, knives or other other items. So I mean, it's a, it's kind of a sad day when we look at how far people will go. And, and how much this country has changed. But thieves are thieves, and they will look for their opportunities no matter where they present themselves, even at a gun show or in your house or your locked car. And, and you know, we've seen an uptick in Atlanta of burglaries and cars and people smashing windows and, and, and theft. And the reason that we see a dramatic uptick in petty crime like that is because of lost opportunities. When people have good jobs and good income, it's not worth risking everything for a petty crime. You know, you're not going to take and jeopardize a fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar a year job over a hundred and fifty dollar radio. You just go get yourself a radio and not worry about it, not worry about the risk. You know, as long as we have decent law enforcement that where the odds of being caught and the odds of being prosecuted are, are good, then the, the cost-benefit analysis, unless you have some sort of, of mental disability, just doesn't weigh out. And there are people who are kleptomaniacs, you know, the kinds of people who never get a pun because they take things literally, who don't have the self-control to be able to... Um, deal with the consequences of their actions. I, I, I represented a guy once who, although he was completely competent, he understood what was going on, he understood what he was doing, uh, he had had a traumatic brain injury. And I, I really believe to this day that he had a compulsion to take things and that it really wasn't his fault that he was doing it, but that his, his mind just did not work correctly. But in... 12 years in criminal justice on both sides of the aisle, I saw one of those. One in 12 years. Not not a couple dozen or a couple hundred. I saw one that I honestly believed might not be, you know, able to constrain himself. But for the vast majority of people who are swept up in the criminal justice system, they're doing it because they don't believe they're going to get caught. They're doing it because they don't have a sense of right and wrong and values. And we need to instill those values in our children as they grow up. I mean, it is our responsibility of parents to show children the right way to be and the right way to do and the right way to behave in society, to teach them our cultural norms so that they grow into responsible people. But... We are abdicating that to a government that puts cultural norms as being depend on the government as a cultural norm instead of being self-sufficient as a cultural norm. Who says, ask what your government should, should be giving you rather than help your neighbor and take care of the people in your community who can't because you know, community involved charity is, is the most 
effective. You know, the government gives money out to anybody. You know, you meet certain criteria. You don't make enough money, we give you money. You have so many kids, we give you money. You, you're, you know, have this or that, we give you money. But it doesn't look at the people who deserve it or who need it. Our communities know. Our communities look around and say, hey, yeah, well, I gave you money two or three times last week. What are you doing with it? Versus a government that just says, here's your next check. The community says, hey, I know you've never asked for money. You've always taken care of yourself, even when I saw you going around here without. Yeah, I would love to help you out. Where the government says, no, you've earned $5 over the line. Sorry, you don't get it. Government doesn't have the ability to be responsive. Government doesn't have the ability to make the right decisions. But individuals do. Individuals do it every day. And we need to tap into that compassion and generosity and, and highlight organizations that, that help people. You know, I, many of you don't know this, but the executive director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry, he works with his family on a therapeutic horse farm to help kids who have a variety of, of problems connect with a horse and to feel uh, he he's always been into equestrian things in his life. And when you hear him talk about, you know, the best thing for the inside of a man is the outside of a horse, and you kind of see his eyes light up, it really is impressive to know, you know, that he is helping kids who have problems, real problems, have a little bit of joy in their lives. And and it, it touches my heart every time I think about it. And we, as as a gun culture, need to reach out to people and to help people and to do more that way. As we teach our children to be kind to each other, we teach our children to be responsive to the needs of others, we teach our children to stand up to intrusions and to, to fight bullying. Now, I have issues with the way that the anti-bullying campaign is going. I think bullying is kind of a part of life. And that you have to learn to stand up to bullies. You have to be firm. You can't be angry. You can't sink to their level. You have to be better than they are. But we need the way to respond to that, the way to, to react to a bully. We have to teach our children so that they don't grow up being explosive or, or being angry or being hurt or being cowards. There has to be a fine balance where we are not cowardly, but we are courageous. We are courageous but we're not vindictive. Folks, we're at a commercial break, and we'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. I'm your host, Doug King. Uh, this week we've been talking about gun shows and gun culture to a large extent. And, and the reason that I'm focusing on gun culture is because, quite frankly, our legislators here in Georgia, although they're in session, they're really not doing much. Um, I, I heard it characterized, I think it was Jim Galloway, I may be mis, misquoting there, but I think it was Jim Galloway who said that the theme this year in the legislature is hurry up and look busy, the voters are coming. And unfortunately, that tends to be true in an election year. This is a year where we, our legislators, our politicians, everyone who's up for re-election is scurrying around trying to do things that will 
gain their support with their base without costing them any opposition, without motivating their opponent, but being able to give them a, a strong and, and courageous comeback and, and slide into the same seat again. And the way you do that is you put forth bills that nobody really can argue against, that you can say, look, I did this and I did that, and so you have a good track record that doesn't give ammunition to anybody, and nothing really exciting gets done. And so this year in the legislature, it's the end of a two-year session, all the the heavy lifting was done last year and things are kind of coasting so i don't have any grand news to report to you other than you know that the the legislature is trying to do things about gay marriage well you know which no matter which way you fall on the side of that argument it has nothing to do with guns and more to do with politics there are some bills that have been introduced that are just odd there's a bill to protect wild hogs or, or to to find videotaping of, of things and i don't know folks it, it just seems like a lot of spinning of wheels in the legislature right now and you know more power to them when they are able to do something that increases liberty and increases freedom um, things that take away restrictions by government i'm i'm all for that but it doesn't seem to be happening in this session and we see the budget go up. We see the, the state budget go up. We see county budgets go up. We see budgets go up, 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 up. But are we getting any freer or are we just getting more and more tied? I, I think that a lot of government is like a credit card. And people who know how to use a credit card responsibly use it in an emergency and pay it off right away. And that way they have the freedom to spend their money how they wish. People who are not responsible use a credit card to get themselves where they wish they could be but then are spend the rest of their lives toiling to pay it off and never getting ahead again and always being in, in servitude to it. And if you use the government to try to get where you want to be or you use the government to hurt other people and drag them down to your level, then you're making yourself a serf to that government that you will toil for it forever. If you use the government as an emergency fund where the government can step in and do things when, when it is too much for any one individual to do, you know, if, if you want to, to build a dam, if you want to, you know, build a, an interstate freeway, you're going to need government's help to be able to get some of these things done. Those are good things for government to do. Government should raise an army. Government should raise an air force. Government, I think, should run the space program because the space program is languishing and, and it is a global effort. And it's something that I think government is more in tune to being able to, to do. But, uh, private research, innovation, uh, clean energy, these are private enterprise things that government doesn't have any business in. So, how do we, you know, we, we, we've got a, a, a slow year in the legislature. How do we make sure that next year we start to make real progress? We're going to vote these people in come November, and then they're going to need to be held accountable. And we need to have a way to collectively bargain with them. <coughs> One individual vote doesn't matter. But uh, uh, 10,000 votes across the whole state matters a heck of a lot. And we need to be able to leverage that and to hold them accountable and hold their feet to the fire and get meaningful legislation through. And the way to do that is to join GeorgiaCarry.org. GeorgiaCarry.org is the largest group in the state of Georgia. They are the most dedicated. They are staffed by volunteers. When I went to the gun show this last weekend in Cartersville, there was a GeorgiaCarry.org booth there, staffed entirely by volunteers, people who just wanted people to know what freedom meant and how to get involved and what they can do and how to be a member. And it was Jesse and my's turn to up, re-up our membership, and we signed up at the gun show and paid our 20 bucks a year, filled out the form, gave them our member numbers, and off we are to the races for another great year with GeorgiaCarry.org. 
Now, you can do the same thing. If you want to be a member of GeorgiaCarry.org and you go to a gun show or one of the many festivals or, or activities that are going on, these spring things that are, that are popping up around the state as we... I know it's kind of cold right now, folks. I know that a lot of people here are sitting around and shivering. Shoot, I even started up the, the fireplace last night for the kids. But uh, we're getting into the spring season, and as we do that, there's going to be all sorts of festivals. GeorgiaCarry.org will be there with a booth. be a great chance for you to sign up. Now, the other, the most most direct and quick way to sign up to be a member of GeorgiaCarry.org is just go to the website. You know, GeorgiaCarry.org is the website. It is an information clearinghouse. There's information on upcoming bills, upcoming uh, legislation, things that have been passed. There's the upcoming courtroom dramas where lawsuits are flinging around left, right, and center as the lawyers work hard to try to expand our rights and hold the government accountable to its own its own edicts. And, and there's a lot going on. And the only way you're going to be informed is if you visit GeorgiaCarry.org's webpage frequently to stay up to date on everything that's happening and to get the email um, updates that come out usually about once a week during the session and about once a month the rest of the year. And the way you get those emails is you sign up. In the top left-hand corner, click on Join Now. From there, $20 a year, $500 for a lifetime. You can be a GeorgiaCarry.org member and be able to get all of the information on what's happening underneath the Gold Dome, what's happening around the state, uh, upcoming events like chapter meetings. And chapter meetings are a great way for people to be able to get connected and, and to really tap into this culture that I've been talking about all day today. You want to meet people who are like-minded. You want to have uh, a, a meal. You want to get out to the range together. Chapter meetings are the way to do it. And GeorgiaCarry.org grew so rapidly. It became such a, a huge force across the state that people were crying out for a more individual touch. So from that came the convention and where people could come together. But a lot of people can't make the drive to the convention. And no matter where you hold the convention, you do it in Atlanta or Savannah or or, or Augusta, it's not going to matter. There are going to be people who cannot make that drive, who just don't have that weekend available. So chapter meetings became more and more a, a, an issue. And as we got small chapters that were able to meet locally and have a board member come and talk about what's going on statewide and to get to know your local chapter, get to know members of your gun range, get to know people who are involved in your community, get to know your politicians. And as we come out of the legislative session, getting to know your politicians is going to be a huge deal, folks. You need to be on a first-name basis with your politicians. You need to be able to, when you're walking down the street, call them out by their first name, and they know you by your first name. And if you don't, if you aren't doing that, then you're not involved. You're not someone who matters in the political process. You can be. You don't have to be a lobbyist. You don't have to be a politician. You don't have to be a lawyer. You need to be someone who says, hey, I want to talk to you for 15 minutes about this issue. And I'm going to be back next week to talk to you for 15 minutes about this issue. And you're going to see me every couple of weeks for 15 minutes about this issue. There are some great primers, uh, both on georgiapacking.org and on georgiacarry.org, about how to talk to your legislators, how to be involved. I know that if, if I am successful in my bid for county commissioner in Bartow, that I expect to have people, real average common people, people who are not trying to, to get me to, to approve their bill or to, to do their bidding, but people who honestly just believe in their community to come and see me. And your legislatures want you, legislators want you to come and see them. They want to be in touch with you and know what's important to you. And if you're going to be involved, that's the way you do it. You get involved with your local legislator. Let them know what matters to you. 
get involved with your local county commission. Let them know what matter to you so that they don't tell you so that, oh, the whole county believes in this or, or the, the, the state believes in this. Well, you know what? If I don't believe in it, the state doesn't believe in it. And you need to know what I think. I, I have a, a bully pulpit here. I get to talk to the entire Metro Atlanta community and, and the whole world through the website every week and tell you all what I think and what's important to me and what needs to change. But each one of you has the ability to call your legislator, call your congressman, call your state senator, call your U.S. senator, and let your voice be heard. They keep records. They take notes. I was one of the interns that wrote down all these things. Now, did I keep detailed records on everything the person said? No. I summed it down because I was working for uh, a U.S. congressman at the time. I summed it down, pro or con, on different issues. And I kept a tally sheet. And at the end of the day, I would go and say, you know, we had 39 calls con on this issue and only two pro. Maybe we need to think about what we're doing here. Or, no, we, we had a whole bunch of people who supported the congressman's position. I think that we're good. I know that you guys are a little worried about it, but I think we're good because the, 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 the people who are motivated enough to call in overwhelmingly support what the congressman's doing. And those are the sorts of things that make a difference, make a real difference in the way legislation is shaped and formed. You, some of these bills that we're looking at now that are coming out that are odd, like, like the, the videotaping wild hogs bill, these are things that somebody brought up to them. Somebody had a, enough four or five people bring it up to them so that on that small state rep's radar, this has become a big enough issue that they should want to introduce a bill so they can garner those votes. If we, if, if, a small group can garner votes for videotaping wild hogs. Why can't we all garner votes for constitutional carry? Why can't we all garner votes for more freedoms? Why can't we all garner votes for smaller government? Because we all believe in it. I see it at the shows. Folks, this is the end of the show. I hope you had a good time this week. I hope you tune in next week. Help me get on some other stations as we go forward. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. We will be back. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.